now and in the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast. In and through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. How you feeling, Marshall? Good. Yeah. Good. This is our third one. This is our third one in three hours. Yeah. We've switched from coffee to water. Because we're responsible. Yeah. We have children <laughs> and they need us to be here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll, I just want to be clear. I had one coffee at the very beginning mm. and it lasted until like two minutes into the second episode. I don't want people to feel like we're just like chugging coffee. No, no. Like I, I had one before the first me. episode and then one during the second. Yeah. But yeah, now going to water, mm-hmm. which is good. All right. So we have been talking about evolution. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that we do this in a way that is a distinct episode mm-hmm. that is understood as being listened to seven days separated mm-hmm. or more from the last one. Right. Whereas for us, it's literally just a couple minutes. Uh, so we've been talking about evolution. The The points that we're making with evolution in this these last few episodes is to just ask hard questions. Mm-hmm. Not in the way that throws up the the deluge of questions that just tries to overwhelm a sound argument against, but to say there are a number of questions that need to be asked and are being asked of evolution that are not being answered or at least aren't answered well. Mm-hmm. And and oftentimes what is given in its place is a bit of a facade that says, take, for example, this, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've our, our, our purpose is to say to the believer, you have, you have good reason not to just buy wholesale some of these things that are being brought forward with such confidence. Mm. And to say to those people who are bringing those things forward with such confidence, maybe, maybe that confidence is exaggerated. And maybe there's more space Hmm. we have at this point a a hypothetical third listener we do i hope they're still around for this episode Mm -hmm. because if they feel like what we had done in the last few episodes was just completely trash on uh evolutionary science and those who do it which is not our intention um those are people created in the image of god doing what they can to make sense of the world around them. Uh, we just feel like they're coming to wrong conclusions. And um, and that part of being at the table for a conversation is bellying up to the table and having a conversation. Mm. Um, and so if that guy, I, I don't know who was invited, male or female, but if they are, <laughs> if they are, st- <laughs> if they are hypothetically in their hypothetical existence, still mm. at the table, mm-hmm. um, they might find this episode to be a bit spicy because I know you've come guns loaded. Well, a little bit. Yeah. Like a little bit. I think, I think there's some fair, there's some, yeah, there's some fair things. And the reason I think, I think the reason why the discussion on human evolution, I get spicy about is because of the impact that it has beyond just our scientific understanding. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But the understanding of like, morals and values and truth and, and all these things. Right. And, and so there's, so essentially, so a, a textbook definition of what life is, a secular textbook defines life as 
Life is a behavior pattern that chemical systems exhibit when they reach a certain level of complexity. So human life is just behavior caused by chemical systems that are complex. Yeah. And that's that's all that it is. And so that is the message that we are, as a society, um, just indoctrinating our children with. Yeah. Let me, let me ask you this, just to get your gut reaction mm. on it, because... I, I feel like there are a number of times we've pointed out in where a society speaks out of both sides of the mouth and yeah. it's hard to pin down exactly where they're at. And, and I think this is one of them. Is human life nature? Mm. And and I, I think on one hand, we would say, yes, of course it is. We're all just animals. Mm-hmm. We're a random, not maybe not random, but we're a set of behaviors organized in such a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, we also take nature as being a very everything but human, mm. right? Human is artificial and outside of nature and impacts nature. Um, and, and even heard the most extreme say, uh, the world would be a better place without us. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would I would say... Genesis chapter three might agree with you. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> it would not have fallen. Uh, but it, but there there is this bit of tension mm-hmm. inside of where in, in the in the mind of secular naturalists, mm-hmm. where does humanity fit? Are we part of nature? Are we just another animal, or are we separate and distinct? Okay, so this was not planned. No, this was not planned. Um, I'm currently taking some summer courses. Um, I had an elective. I chose as one of my electives, The Life and Thought of C.S. Lewis. And he wrote a book called The Abolition of Man. Now, C.S. Lewis is writing in the 1940s. And this is when material, secular materialism is is really taking over. Like it has supplanted you know, belief in creation and belief in God, mm-hmm. belief in anything that is not natural. Um, and so he's, he's living through that. Um, people, people think it's a much more recent thing. It's not, it's been, especially in academia, it's been around for a while, but anyways, so he, this is going to be a a few minutes here. I'm sorry, but, but it, it touches on this. So I'll try. No, 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 go for it. Go for it. So he is writing about, uh, he starts with like this rant about an English textbook and how it describes um, even like hu- how humans understand value, what's good, what's not good, right? And so he goes from there and he talks about, you know, um, the problems of, of rejecting um, morality and, you know, objective uh, objective truth and all that. Mm-hmm. But towards the end, he goes on this r- little rant, which I absolutely love, and it kind of ties to this. So he says that modern science and magic are essentially the same thing on a philosophical level. Okay. Here's what he means by this. So I we, like it so far. So we think that, so, so, so he would say, look, people think that way back in the day, like in, in the middle ages and the dark ages, that was the high point of magic. He says, no, historically the high point of magic came up right around the same time as the advent of modern science in like the 16, 1700s. And he said, what both were trying to do as opposed to our ancestors who, who looked at themselves and said, we need to conform, and the ancient Greeks did this, the ancient Romans did this, the ancient Jews did this, uh, the early church did this, 
who said, looked at the world around and said, we need to understand the world so that we can conform ourselves to what is true. What modern science and magic both try to do is try to control the world. They try to try to gain control over the world for our own benefit. Now, this mm-hmm. is how it ties in, into this because because what he ends up saying is that um, the thing is magic didn't work and science kind of did. But in order to um, continue advancing, because the only thing that man seems to kind of be able to get a handle on is the the natural order. There is a degree to which we can control certain things in nature or subdue them. But what he says is the, the more we try to do that, we have to surrender things over to nature. So we need to make things purely and, and understand things as only being nature, only being physical, only being material. Right. Um, because that's the only thing we can, we can really control. Mm-hmm. And he says, and what that's come to is now not only do we, you know, do we not look at the stars and see beauty and majesty? We look at the stars and just see burning balls of gas, which they are on a physical level, but they communicate so much more than that. But now we see people that way. And so what we've actually done in trying to master uh, the world around us is we've actually surrendered ourselves over to nature, and now that's all that we are. And so that's the materialistic view. And so what he essentially is getting at is like we we've tried to do this thing where we can make everything possible, um, but really what we've done is we've just devalued everything um, because we've had to lower, we had to devalue things down to a level that we can mess with. And so mm-hmm. hum, the way we understand human beings, the way we understand ourselves is the same. So in one way, we're like, look, we're masters of the universe uh, because we can do all these crazy things because of science and technology. But at the same time, um, what are we other than just chemical processes, right? Yeah, that's That can good. be manipulated. That's gold. Anyways, yeah. sorry, a yeah, little yeah. bit of a tangent, but um, the abolition of man, it's, uh, it's on our church recommended reading and it's a bit dense, but it's really good. It's really good. Sorry. Don't be. We're, we got to get back. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah. So, like, why? Like, I think understanding who, who human beings are um, and why we're here and is, is a big part of this, right? And so, the reality is from a naturalistic point of view, if, if human beings are not distinct and separate and different, if we don't serve any kind of real objective purpose or have any real objective value and we are the same as everything else apart from a slightly larger brain, mm-hmm. then there needs to be a story of how we get here um, that is a coherent within a worldview that totally rejects God. And and by default, it necessarily disregards value and morality and all those things. Or if it acknowledges them, they're just... They're just made up things. It's just like the, it's survival of the fittest, right? It's just propagation of the species. Everything that, you know, we we think is good is really just good because it serves the propagation of the species as an end of itself. Mm-hmm. I don't think it stands up, but that's, that's what a lot of people will tell you. So what are we taught? We're taught that, you know, spontaneous life emerges in the soup. Bacteria becomes more complex bacteria, becomes fish, becomes an amphibian, becomes some kind of reptile, becomes, you know, this about 125 million years ago, this giant rat badger thing called Rapanemus. Um, then, you know, when the dinosaurs are wiped out, there's this like shrew like 
monkey thing <laughs> called Plysodapus, um, which was kind of like a, a lemur. And then, you know, that lemur um, grows and changes over time. And then about 7 million years ago, there's a split. So one thing that people need to understand that evolution teaches, because people are like, oh, evolution teaches that we're descended from chimpanzees. Evolu- the evolutionary theory doesn't teach that. No. It teaches that we have a common ancestor. And, and in fact, they're very they get very agitated yes when you're like we're not apes they're like we never said you are we never said that yeah so there's the idea is that there was a common ancestor mm-hmm. about seven million years ago that was very chimp like i mean you look at it and you're like no oh, it looks a lot like a chimp and it's like yeah but it's not technically at least in in their theory mm-hmm. um and you know because you know this is in east africa and everything began to dry out so there was more open savanna and plains so the human ancestors spent less time climbing trees and more time running so they developed bipedalism so they started just walking upright rather than on all fours let me ask you let me ask you this apparently let me ask you this okay. a chimp or chimp like thing yeah do you think you could outrun it no no. Yeah, that's that's my argument for de-evolution. Like I've I've brought it up every episode <laughs> that humans cannot be like this hyper advanced thing. Yeah. Because the thing that we evolved from is more fit for life. Yeah. And even if we became smarter, mm-hmm. it doesn't benefit me to lose my strength. Because yeah. I, I guarantee you this. If a chimp or chimp like thing came at me it's going to catch me. <laughs> and you know what? I I am not going to have the physical strength to protect mm-hmm. myself from that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the capacity to just delimb. Right. And another creature that <laughs> chimps and chimp like things have. It's wild. I don't I don't have that. Yeah. And I'm going to get caught and it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, now these now evolutionists might say that we lost those abilities because they weren't needed anymore, but a kind but of de-evolution doesn't make sense. Right, right. So anyway, so again again so the story goes. And now here's the thing. I'm I'm rhyming off these these numbers and dates and species um just to give us like a a, a working framework of yeah, yeah, how yeah. these things are supposed to be. This is constantly changing. So like what I've got here might not be the narrative Two years from now, it certainly wasn't the narrative 10 years ago because mm-hmm. it's, it's this constant change happening and we'll get into why that might be. But around 4 million years ago, we have something called the Australopithecines, which were like three feet tall, um, but walking upright. Uh, then about two and a half million years ago, Homo habilis, a bit taller, a bit bigger brain, maybe the first one to use tools, they say. Then it was Homo ergaster who made like teardrop stone, like axes without handles. So that it looks like they sharpen stones. Mm-hmm. Um, there's their descendants, which were, you know, multiple varieties, um, including Neanderthals were the first to use fire composite tools. So stone axes with, with wooden handles, even clothing all before the human species as we know it ever was supposed to exist because what we are, according to this narrative is, um, um, Homo sapiens sapiens came into being like 250,000 years ago. Uh, and this branch, our our branch of the line is the ones who took it, everything to the next level. And then like 40,000 years ago, we get art and beads and bone flutes. And, and then in just the last 10,000 years, you get, you know, society, language, writing systems, agriculture, pyramids, you know, boats, computers, rocket ships. Yeah. Here we are. 
Yeah. And when you look at technologies and you think about like the whole saying that has uh, at least a few years back kind of took over for a while, the whole that escalated quickly. Yeah. 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 It escalated quickly. If if you, if you are like billions of years of living Mm. um, and then someone develops the capacity to use tools, Mm -hmm. then those tools escalate like. Yeah. Exponentially. So the 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 reasoning because I watched a lot of stuff. I I watched and I read and watched a lot of stuff on, from the evolutionary perspective of like the origins of man because I really wanted to get a grasp on it and like what a the, fair grasp. Yeah, fair. Not yeah, not just like not just like oh, how do we poke holes in this, but like actually understand it. Like what what's going on here? Yeah, and and, and just to throw this out there, the best way to study what people believe is not to find the people that are already in your camp and listen to right. them tell you what other people believe. <laughs> Although that is what we are currently doing in this moment. Right, that's what we're doing for our people, yeah. yeah. Um, I would also encourage you to, uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, that cannot be the position, be like, well, mm. hit us up, we can, we can pass you the resources yeah. or whatever, but but yeah. also listen to other people. Yeah. Um, learn from them as well. And... and I'm I'm convinced that truth mm-hmm. is the end result mm-hmm. of honest academia mm-hmm. because God has wired us to explore him in his natural world and in his supernatural mm-hmm. person. Totally. And um and I, I don't think it's dangerous to explore these things because the deeper we explore them, the more we're gonna realize, hey, you know what, there are a lot of holes in this mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are easily fixed mm-hmm. by a creative God. Mm-hmm. And even the lost world will admit that when they throw up their hands and say, oh, your God of the gaps just magically makes everything go away. And you're like, what you mean by that is, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Right, right. <laughs> well, and and yeah, sometimes in the in the in the evolutionary narrative, you know, as people, or you're listening, you know, you listen for phrases like, and then this must have happened and this probably happened and, and you know, and so there's, there's gaps there where mm-hmm. they're just like, mm-hmm. we're going to fill in this gap. So like God of the gaps is, you know, whether it's Yahweh or evolution, there are gaps in our understanding and people fill it with, you know, they fill it, fill those gaps based on their, their own worldview. And, um, so, you know, don't, don't let people look down on you because most, most people who hold to this kind of narrative of human evolution, while there are certainly like experts and whatnot, and we'll, we'll talk about those people too soon, but, um, most people don't even understand what they're talking about. Like they're, they're like, yeah, like we evolved from some kind of ancient ancestor and you're like, Oh yeah, how'd that happen? Um, so in, in any case, I just say that to kind of, there's a lot of, we, we pretend, we all pretend that we know a lot more than we do collectively. We might know a lot, but individually, mm, not so much, which actually ties into one of the explanations of why, um, evolutionists believe that, that, what led to human beings, like why why one branch led to human beings and the other branch led to something that was really no more sophisticated than that ancient ancestor from millions of years ago. Because what they say is the capacity that humans had was to pass on collective information or knowledge to next generations. So, so chimps might use a stick and stick it in a hole to eat ants, right? Mm-hmm. But that's... All it is, there's, there's no more like, there's no greater degree of like 
of learning and, and, and kind of compiling on new things. And they said, well, that's what happened with people. And I would say like that obviously has happened with people. I mean, we can just look at that even in, in recent history, not necessarily ancient history. Um, so that was, that's the distinguishing factor is that for some reason, the way that these pre-humans brains worked is that they were able to pile on this knowledge and, and do that. Um, but there's a lot of different, the story is not as clean, even from the secular perspective. Like there's not, there's not a clear there's not a clear story. You don't get the same story from from different anthropologists and different mm-hmm. um, paleontologists. Um, it's not like a, a settled thing, right? Even even so, there was like there's the the dominant view that like the first humans were supposed to have lived in like uh, East Africa, and then you know a certain amount of number of years ago moved out, but then they're finding fossils that they think might be pre-human or whatever in parts of the world where they quote unquote shouldn't be and that throws the whole timeline off. Right. And then there's different, you know, human DNA. There, there seems to be different kind of gene markers and they don't know where they're from. And, and, you know, and apparently we're all a little bit Neanderthal, but Neanderthal is supposed to be, I mean, I don't want to get too into that yet. We'll probably talk about it soon, but, but it's supposed to be like a different species, but it's not really a different species. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they interbred. So then what are the Neanderthals? Right. So there's, there's all these different, there's all these different hypotheses and it's mostly built off of fossil record, right? Like fossil records, all we've got, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, sorry, you looked at me like, nope, you want to talk? Okay. No, no, no. Go ahead. So fossil record, we have the thing we have to understand about fossil record is like the evidence and this is true of a lot of things like the evidence is the evidence, right? Like, so like what's in the ground, like what's found in the ground, unless it's fake, which sometimes it is, uh, which is a whole other thing. But, but the genuine evidence that exists is the same. Like it's the same for creationists, evolutionists, or and everything in between. Like it's just the bones they find in the ground. What's different are the conclusions that people come to based on that evidence. Mm-hmm. And those conclusions are influenced by their worldview and where they're at. Right, mm-hmm. which is something we've probably said in virtually every episode of this mini series, yep, but yep. it's worth repeating um, because some people are going to see a bone in the ground and they're going to say, "I know what that is. It's this," and other people are going to say, "No, it's definitely not that. It's this," um, and that is kind of the whole this whole science of like the origins of human beings and all of these like dozens of different like subspecies of like what they'll call hominids, which are like upright apes essentially or for lack of a better term um the question is like what are these what are these beings like what are these bones actually from and there's not a real strong consensus on that no and 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 i would say i don't have an answer for that like theologically i don't from a christian worldview i don't have an answer for that yeah i i genuinely don't know yeah yeah, and I think like there's a lot of speculation. Um, obviously, like every time they find, um, every time they find it like a fossil in the ground that looks like a human skull but might be slightly different. Um, what the assumption is is that this is a new link, right? Right. Um, you know, they're they're kind of desperate to find this, and and so what's what's always surprising is they find a new skeleton, and it's it's almost <laughs> it's why. Well, 
It's almost never of the same kind that they've already found. It's always new. This mm-hmm. is we we found some bones in the ground, mm-hmm. and this isn't what the what you know what Buddy found in Ethiopia five years ago. This is a this is a new sub you know. So there's all these varieties, like a great number. And what they do is they get then they get plugged into this kind of chronology of you know from this common ancestor we have with chimps seven million years ago to to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's no real. It's rarely are they like, oh yeah, this was this this was the austro what is the austrocephal australopithecine. Mm-hmm. So this is an australopithecine, but they're just a little bit taller than the other australopithecine. It's like no 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 because their femur is slightly longer, they must be a different species. And so you have this compiling list. Um, even the ones that I named by name earlier in the episode, like that's a fraction, right, of all the different ones. So there's like dozens of of these pre-human ancestors based on, you know, what subsection of time they lived in. Yeah. And and I think, I think it's interesting that there's, that they're always different or, or decided to be different. Mm -hmm. Um, because at some point there needed to be a population of these. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and a sustainable population Mm -hmm. and, and the argument of like, well, not all of them would have been preserved in the fossil record. Fine. But a lot of animals were. Mm-hmm. We have tons of animals that we have like whole populations mm-hmm. represented. Yeah. And so when you find a one-off that is different, mm-hmm. maybe what you found is a mutation mm-hmm. and not evidence of a separate, um, a separate species that was a colony and and a, a population. That previously existed without evidence of the of a population, right? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like for a long time, um, many people were like really desperate um, to be the one who finds that missing link, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, now, I mean, but now there's like there's dozens of links. There's all these different links because everybody gets to find everyone finds a new link, mm-hmm. right? Which right. I mean, obviously. <laughs> Obviously, there there's some motivation to do this, right? And and again, it doesn't necessarily need to be nefarious. It's just that there's a desire for like recognition to put their mark mm-hmm. on history, to be affirm and you know to affirm their theories and also get like research and grant money, right? Yeah. I, if I find something that's identical to what other people have already been finding, like that's cool, but that's not revolutionary. That book's already been sold, right? Yeah. And and I I'm I feel like in this I'm generally the one that wants to be gracious. Yeah, I'm just gonna throw that out. That's there. fine. That's fine. But I I will say, is there room for someone to come at this in a way that they're like, no, I'm going to twist the information to prove a point. Here here's a, a case study for you. Did you know that lemmings do not run off of cliff and mass? No, I did not know that. I just assumed they did. You know why you assumed that? Because it was taught to you your entire life. Right. <laughs> because in the 60s, Disney did a documentary that showed this okay. as a phenomenon that no one knew why mm-hmm. or what they were doing. Mm-hmm. But decades back, in something that no one is talking about, mm-hmm. There was a court case, and those guys who filmed that confessed. We were filming lemmings. 
Lemmings are rodents at high altitude planes yeah. that do nothing but regular rodent things. Yeah. And we had wasted a lot of time and money. And they were out of shot tossing all of these lemmings that they had captured off of a cliff and filming it and sold it as a phenomenon. The entire world believes that lemmings race off of cliffs. That's wild. That's and kind of like and cruel. Like good luck sleeping tonight. Like I'm not. I I'm, hope you're listening to this early enough in the day that you'll forget about it and sleep well tonight. Yeah. Like I'm. No, I'm no. I'm not. I'm a far far cry from a, a member of PETA, but uh, but that just is unnecessary and brutal. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, but they needed right. They needed to keep their research grant going, and they're yeah. They needed to sell. Well, and so here's the thing: like the quality and the quantity of these fossils is often overplayed and exaggerated. And the circumstances of when and where they're found can sometimes be a bit sketchy. And so just like with like the dinosaur bones where, you know, we go to the, you go to the ROM, the Royal Ontario museum mm -hmm. and you're like, Whoa, the T-Rex. And then you look at like the actual bones and there's like, there's like a, there's like one leg bone that's actually real and the rest of it is just artificially there. Mm -hmm. Not to say that I, there are more complete skeletons of T-Rexes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's just, but the one you're looking at. The is one not. you're looking at, yeah. not, right? It's like, it's kind of overplayed and exaggerated of what you're, what it is you're actually looking at, right? Um, and so, and the reality is that some, not all, but many of these discoveries of these missing links throughout history since the time of Darwin have come out as being like, like intentional deception. Mm -hmm. So there was uh, the Piltdown Man, um, discovered by a guy named Charles Dawson in 1912, supposed to be the ancestor of humans. He found these, quote unquote, found these remains in Essex in England alongside some primitive tools. And that went unchallenged for 41 years. Like it was like, this was it. Like there was articles about it, books about it. Like this was, we found the missing link in England of all places. Mm -hmm. What do you know? On an island. <laughs> Who would have thought, right? Turned out that what they what what it actually was was the lower jawbone of an orangutan with the teeth filed down, and then some parts of human bone to kind of make up the skull. Now, I'm not saying that every skull they find that is a, a supposed supposed to be a link is this, but that was the big one for, for like 41 years. There was Nebraska man that they recreated an entire. Uh, human ancestor off of a single tooth which turned out to be a pig's tooth um there was uh oh ramapithecus which was supposed to be um another ancestor but essentially the jaw is just like it's just the jaw of an ape like it's not mm -hmm. it's no, not distinct from anything um you had uh so some of the ones that are a bit more that are still kind of being being presented as a um as an ancestor, there's one called Artipithecus. Um, but Artipithecus, this, this skeleton, quote-unquote, that they found, was um, from a scattering of bones, uh, a very small percentage of a total skeleton, scattered over nine miles, not necessarily bones of the same individual, mm -hmm. but put together as one skeleton being said, this is an ancestor. Right. So scattered over nine miles, right? And, and and again, still what they found not not a full, not even close to a full skeleton, mm -hmm. um, and and not even necessarily from the same from the same individual. So there's just so much pressure to like 
to do this. Now, there's just even Lucy, like Lucy was supposed to be, if you haven't heard of Lucy, yeah, yeah. yeah like Lucy's supposed to be the, the in the sky with diamonds, with diamonds. Um, but even that's fragmentary evidence. Like you can look, you can look at the finding of Lucy, right? And now Lucy is more than just a few bones, but it's still not even close to a complete skeleton. Right. Right. And so how much can you, you go with, you know, you've got some bones of like the torso and the hips and whatnot, and a little bit from the, the skull, but like you don't, you're not, get, you're not getting like a fully preserved skeleton of a creature or a, a potential person. Um, it's tough. Like I got a couple quotes here. These are from secular. These are from secular uh, anthropologists. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the first one is um, few sciences pr- produce such abundant returns from so few fragments of fact as paleontology. <laughs> so few sciences uh, th- th- can can come up with so much from from so little. It, it, what a, what a miracle. Um, and this one's from Dr. Tim White, who is an anthropologist from uh, Berkeley. He says, the problem with a lot of anthropologists is that they want so much to find a hominid that any scrap of bone becomes a hominid bone. This is a guy who literally, he, he, he's also looking for these bones. Mm-hmm. Like he, this is his study and he's not a Christian, he's secular, evolutionary, whatever. But he's, he's acknowledging that there's a problem within, like there's an issue within that realm of study that everything becomes like, like when you're a little boy in your backyard, you know what I mean? Yes. And everything's an arrowhead. Everything's an arrowhead. Every everything little, that's roughly triangular is yeah, an arrowhead. Yeah. And like, and any coin you find is like buried treasure. And it's just like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and every rock with a weird symbol, like a weird design on it or weird pattern on it is a fossil. And it's like, I mean, that's obviously like, we're exaggerating, but that's the idea. Like that's yeah, it, what's it's, happening. It's in a the field. route. It, it's a similar route. Okay, we got a problem. What's the problem? The problem is we've done enough of these now. I can't remember which episode we're on. Is, Seven. Is it, is it this episode or the one of the ones that we recorded earlier where we we talked about this in conjunction with um, the icon the icon movement. Of the medieval period. Oh, yeah. Where they're trying yeah. to collect all the yeah. icons. Yeah, that was last like, episode. That was last episode. Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't want to be like, you just be like, Tim, I said that five minutes ago. Where's your head? It's all bleeding into one it, now. It is, it is kind of doing that. Um, but, but it's a very similar thing, right? Right, right. In order for us to believe that this is true, mm-hmm. we need tangible evidence. Right. Right. And right. so every scrap of wood. Mm-hmm. is a piece of the cross. And and it was famously said, um, if every scrap of the cross from the medieval period were gathered together, you could not only recreate the cross, you could recreate the forest from which the <laughs> trees were cut. Um, yeah, and like uh, St. Peter would have so many finger bones, he'd be like Dr. Octopus with like multiple <laughs> limbs. Like right. How many finger bones do you got, Peter? Right, right. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the desire to prove the point. Right, right. To prove the point with physical evidence creates, in, in some in some places, as we've discussed, actual deception. Right? You don't accidentally file down teeth and piece together dissimilar uh, organisms in order to create a skeleton mm. that is 
similar but different enough. Mm-hmm. That's actual contemplated deception. Um, but in some instances, like you said, it, it's just the gusto mm. and the eagerness that just helps you get a, it causes you to get ahead of yourself. Right. Totally. Right. And and that's what we see in a lot of these. But in in some ways, in some ways, there's nothing that we've discussed so far that is different from evolution of any other organism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's more focused in hum in humans because it's us. Right. And so we care more about it. Mm-hmm. But it's not exactly dissimilar from what we would argue for a trout or a fern. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that's what Which, a secular scientist would they would they would allow that. They said the only reason this is more important to us is because it's us. Yeah. Interestingly enough though, ferns for whatever reason, mm-hmm. tropical plants never evolved. They're always the same mm-hmm. in artistic renderings and everything. <laughs> um <laughs> But there are deep theological changes mm. that come with uh, with human evolution as a concept. Yeah, yeah. Um, that don't exist within other animals. Yeah, I think there's. Yeah, they're more. They're definitely the theological concerns are much, much. There are concerns with evolution just as it is theological mm-hmm. concerns and things to address. But when it comes to human evolution in particular, like, yeah, they're pronounced like it's a lot more, it's a right. lot more critical uh, <laughs> like, right. as far as like what the implications are. Yeah. yeah. So there, there are areas we, we talked about accepting microevolution. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, because it's observable and there's no reason to deny it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't need to start at a place of denial. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's yeah. genuine observation. Do we accept microevolution in humans? Yeah, I think we do. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we we can look at uh, people of two different skin colors, mm-hmm. have a child together. Mm-hmm. The child can be either mm-hmm. or a mix of the two. Yeah. Right? Yep. And we, we see pockets of these things that are concentrated. Yeah. Right? Countries that are closed mm. to and, and have historically been closed, mm-hmm. the people look very similar. Yeah. In a way that mm-hmm. you can look to them and you can say that person is European. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or or um you know the you know Korean, especially mm-hmm. in places like North Korea where mm-hmm. there just isn't an immigrant population. Right. Right? right. right. You're getting these things solidified and and where there's a very common kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh but you move that into a discussion of North America and mm-hmm. Europe. Yeah. In the modern age. Yeah, you don't look Canadian. That's just not, not a thing. Anymore. <laughs> That's not a thing. Yeah. Even in even at the beginning it would have been it would have been difficult even within a few first few generations, right? Right. People from different different countries intermingling, right? Right. And and so and so you have you have like so many people that you would you would look at and you would they're just like ethnically ambiguous right <laughs> you know yeah because there's been there's been so much of this over time mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. things have blended and there have been shifts yeah right yeah. uh but historically you can look at pockets where people mm-hmm. say this is what society has declared to be beautiful mm-hmm. and that trait persists 
through the population. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes certain traits can be advantageous, right? Like in the similar mm-hmm. way we talked about like the finches to some degree. So I was listening to a podcast. Um, and actually, according to this, this again, secular um, anthropologist, but talking about um, like talking about like skin tone and latitude, like where you live. So like um, the thing is like um, in Northern climates, you get less sunlight. Yep. Uh, because of weather and also just because of the way the year works, right? And so if you have less melanin in your skin, um, you're more susceptible to the sun mm-hmm. in good ways and bad ways. Mm-hmm. And But one of the good ways is that you you get more vitamin D from the sun that way, um, and which you need if there's not much sunlight yep. at all, right? Because you need vitamin right. D to metabolize certain things. Um, and so that's why, like, that's why people in Norway had light skin, and people in Sudan did not. Mm-hmm. Like it's not right. Like there, and, and that, and, and even even a, even from a secular scientist, they would say like, yeah, and that change happened like less than ten thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So so like yeah, and, and and that's why you don't have those people in equatorial climates. Yeah, no, because they would not be good. They would not be advantageous for them to even yeah. even now in a modern world of air conditioning and mm-hmm. desk jobs. Oh yeah, you can you can imagine saying to someone who is very fair-skinned, mm-hmm. having a discussion about moving to Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and they would likely say something like, I would melt. Right. It right. would not be advantageous to me. Right. Even if they might work indoors at an office in the air conditioning right. all day long. Right? <laughs> right, right? We can just acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Right? And the people of equatorial climates are darker skin darker haired people mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that was advantageous. You throw that back into a time when the only option was outdoor physical labor, mm-hmm. then you could see all the more, like mm-hmm. they might have actually melted. <laughs> right. You or know? burned so bad that they died, right? Right, yeah. right. It just, it, it wasn't a thing that was passed on because they mm-hmm. would have been sickly mm-hmm. in that uh, kind of an environment, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If they were forced into that kind of environment. But all of that is micro. Mm-hmm. There's not a change in kind. Mm-hmm. And in fact... It's all within the same species. In fact, to argue for any notion of a change of kind mm-hmm. at a biological discussion mm-hmm. would have you thrown to the wolves of course it would. in a societal, social discussion. Of course, yeah. Right? We have no space for that kind of discussion. Mm-hmm. Rightly so. Yeah, sure. It would be extraordinarily racist. Right, to say someone's not human or less than human, yeah. Or different kind of human. Mm-hmm. Even if you're going to say different kind, people mm-hmm. are going to e- in- inevitably apply better and worse statements right, to right, that. Right, 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 right. So we're only talking about minor variations mm-hmm. within a kind, mm-hmm. within a gene pool, that has all of these variations mm-hmm. available within it. Yeah. Right? This is microevolution. Mm-hmm. The huge theological shift in all of this is created in the image of God. Right. And, and this is where um, we've talked about some of those who would come in and say, well, I'm a Christian evolutionist. At the very beginning, we talked about right, right. why this is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that we've done up to this point, people would say, well, yeah, but maybe evolution is the hand that God used in this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
God created man in his own image. Mm-hmm. It is a, I, I believe that we've laid a good enough foundation for me to say this is why I believe that evolution is illogical. Right, right. It doesn't stand logically as a science. Mm-hmm. Um, theologically, even to just take it a step further, either we are created in the image of God or we stumbled into this thing, the concept of the soul, mm-hmm. the the eternal state mm-hmm. of the human. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to choose right and wrong, evil, moral capacity. To be known mm. before the foundations of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. To be set apart unto salvation. All of these things cannot exist alongside the naturalist, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They are anathema. And there's no reason for us to bow to the naturalist and say, but they have all this information that we don't mm-hmm. or that we're ignoring. Yeah. Because for episodes we've shown, yeah. it's it's not it's not a strong argument. Yeah. Yeah. One of, one of the things you mentioned too, and because I want to get back into some theology stuff and talk a bit more about the Bible, but um, like in regards to these other like pseudo-human fossils, um, you know, I, I thought long and hard about this and I kind of did some, some digging into it because as I was, as I was watching this, I was like, I was in a place where, you know, as we mentioned a couple episodes back, you know, I don't have to know the answer. I don't have to. Right. But I was like, I want to, I want to know if I don't know where I stand, I want to know where I lean. And I think I was able to figure that out. Mm-hmm. I think what I would say is like these, these fossils that they're finding, that are very chimp-like but slightly different. So maybe they're, you know, the, the the common ancestor or ones that are like very human but not exactly the same. I think like my my feeling is that all of it that they're finding is either apes or human. Even humans who look a little different. Right? So either all of it is either apes or humans. I think Neanderthals are humans. I think I think what we have identified as a separate species, different kind of human is just, just a a people group who had particular traits that have died out. And that's Mm -hmm. all it is. And that's, that's, that's what I would say. So like, I don't, I don't think that like, because all part of the biblical, the biblical narrative is that there was a whole lot of people who died out, right? Mm -hmm. Like the gene pool would have been broader pre-flood than post-flood. It was still obviously pretty broad. Um, there's a lot of variability still there, but like, so the fact that like people, some people have more pronounced cheekbones. Okay. A Roman chin, a Roman nose. Sure. Right. right? Like, I mean, we see that now. Like, I mean, there is within just modern human beings, a wide variety of like face shapes and body sizes Mm -hmm. and all sorts of things. Yeah. Wildly different and, uh, and still all human. And so, I think, um, you know, any, just because just because they find a skull that's not identical to mine in the ground does not mean it's not human. Sorry, you're like rubbing your mustache there. I, I just wanted, I have this urge to just throw a grenade into the conversation and then close the episode really quickly oh, okay. and not talk about it at all. <laughs> um, the the nephilim. Ooh. Is that a grenade thrown into, into I don't the know. closure? I don't, I don't. I don't know what the nephilim is. I don't pretend to know what the nephilim is. No. The way they're described is is quite bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty much every. Not I shouldn't say every because I don't know that to be true. Many 
societies have legends mm-hmm. and stories of big people, like big people, mm-hmm. like like we see in, in within scripture as well. And so, yeah, the Nephilim. Although, who, although Neanderthals are not ever described as usually they're not that smaller yeah yeah yeah. they're not yeah they're not that big um yeah so yeah the questions of like i just wanted to throw that in there just different kinds of people yeah raise questions i'm not going to answer yeah the nephilim there's a bunch of different varieties of of options but Mm -hmm. i I don't know that that's one uh, yeah i'm not i yeah i have some ideas but I, i don't really know but the idea just being that like there were there was just different kinds of people there was a a wide range of um variety like with wolves like wolves had in and of themselves the genetic capacity within like with yes with with selective breeding but i mean hey human breeding is selective breeding you're picking Mm -hmm. a mate you're picking a partner right Mm -hmm. so with selective breeding from wolves you get every variety of dog that we see so why not with you know with original human beings you have within that the bandwidth or the, the, the variability for all sorts of different kinds of people. Yeah, if in isolation today you were to dig up the skull of a Chihuahua mm-hmm. and the skull of a St. Bernard yeah. or a Great Dane, would you would you immediately say, oh, never mind, I just found another one, right? <laughs> would, <laughs> somehow, you would assume they're a different species. Pet cemeteries are the strangest thing to me. Okay. But there are a couple in Ontario. I've driven past them... So weird. If if you if all of the markers gone, you didn't know what it was. You bought right. the land. Right. You're excavating it in isolation of all of these kinds of concepts, thousand years down the road. And you dig up the skull of a chihuahua, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Whoa, I found the skull of an animal." Hmm. And then you dig up the skull of a Great Dane. Would you go? Oh, I found a second one. Right. They're obviously, and then a bulldog with this like weird protruding lower jaw. And you're like, oh, this, look, they're, yeah. There's three of them here. They're, and they're all exactly the same species. Of course they are. Right. Right. No, you wouldn't because you would be like, these things are vastly different. Like if you didn't already know that their heads were shaped differently, you would just assume that, yeah, you would assume they're different species. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's just a bit of that happening with all this like Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, Denisovan, all these different like varieties of human they're all just human i think and so yeah i mean i don't i don't see like i don't know because i I thought a lot about this because i was like okay i gotta i gotta figure out where i'm at with this but it's like no i just i just think there was genetic variability right and there's all these these things where they're like oh yeah we found this like tooth that had a different that had a third root like molars that had three roots in it instead of two and so obviously this was a human from 200,000 years ago. And then they find out that people in Central Asia have molars like this. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, it's just a, a slight variation of what people still have. So it's like, no, like we're just there. Yeah. Again, it's, it's the using that fractured evidence to create these big stories where really it's, I don't know. I don't know if it makes it less interesting. It's just not, yeah. not as old. Yeah. And, and I think, I think this is, we, we've, we've talked about like the, the kid digging in the, the gravel or whatever and, and everything becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think part of what we need to do is slow down a bit mm-hmm. and stop searching for questions to match our answers. Mm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. We have a preconceived conclusion mm-hmm. and now what we need to do is we need to find 
the things that are going to cause us to ask questions that lead us to that conclusion, right? We're writing the answer before we're writing the questions. Right. 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 This right. is the answer. This is what happened and how it took place. Mm-hmm. Um, now what I need to do is find the thing that says, what is this? Hmm. That leads me to, oh, now the logical outflow is that my answer was right all along. Right. Right. right, right. And, and so in some ways, when you look at the scientific method, mm-hmm. you start with a hypothesis mm-hmm. and then you test that hypothesis. The overconfidence in the world of evolutionary biology is that it's no longer sitting as a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. It's a conclusion. Yeah. And now what they're doing is trying to backfill Mm-hmm. the evidence of that conclusion. Yeah, how will this affirm my, the conclusion? Right. right. Where does this fit right. in with the framework that we already have? Yeah, and, and I know this is the thing that you wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it in because I think this is a good fit for it. Mm-hmm. We, the church, we have to stop doing the same thing, mm-hmm. yeah. right? We want to say, I don't believe the world is billions and billions of years old to yeah. allow for time to do this kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. So what do I do? Mm-hmm. I take a list of names from the Bible, factor in how long I think a person might have lived, add that up and be like, this is how old the world is. Yeah. I'm not exactly for that either. Yeah. No, I don't I don't know if that's the best way. Like, so there are certain like um Christian science um science groups that like ver- will very firmly stand on that the world is only you know, about 6,000 years old, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is supposed to be done by just adding up the birth or the, the lifespans that are listed in Genesis. Um, one of the things that we had to be careful about is the Bible does have certain things to say about the natural world and the created order. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a science textbook. Oh, and, people hate that statement. Uh, I know. Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with it too. The Bible is to tell us who and yeah. not how. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying we jettison it uh, at all, obviously. And I think the Bible is true. It's just the way even genealogies work. Um, to be like son of and descendant of, or father of and ancestor of, um, is the same. Um, so like, so those genealogies, and we even see in the New Testament genealogies. Um, from Matthew and Luke, which we would say are authoritative and true, that they they skip some names mm-hmm. intentionally. Yeah, and uh, we we know those names are skipped. Yeah, we know, and we could we know which names are skipped. Right, right. Um, but there's they're crafting it in a particular way to communicate a particular truth, a particular pattern of truth that is divinely inspired and still true, true in the sense that it was true as it was written and as it was to be understood, and. And so I think the same can be true of like the Old Testament genealogies. I believe in Adam and Eve and the Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and all of that. I 100% believe in the flood, Noah and the flood, all that like as it's written totally. But I just think that there's the possibility that there's more time going on between Adam and Noah or Noah and Moses. Um I think to to suggest that uh, you can do that without removing the authority of scripture. So right. if, if the world's not 6000 years old but it's 10000 or 15000 like that's not a, to me I don't see that as a problem with biblical authority because there's not a chapter and verse that says thus the world you know there's you don't have like John the like Jesus saying in John hey by the way like the earth is this old specifically mm-hmm. what you get is names and ages in a particular sequence but we from what we know of genealogies 
they weren't expected to be complete and right. exhaustive. Right. And, and to argue, like I, I think some would argue too that, well, the purpose of giving the ages was for this reason. Mm. I we, we can't assume intent yeah. on that without uh, yeah. having that intent given yeah. to us, right? Yeah. And uh and this is where the this is where the downside of the binary nature of our society is really going to come back and bite us. Mm-hmm. Like personally right. in this case, right? Yeah. That somebody's going to be angry at people, what I said yeah, what I just said. There's going to be there's going to be a checkout. Yeah. Right? That just says if you don't believe in 6,000 years, mm-hmm. then you believe in billions of years and mm-hmm. evolution. Right. Despite the fact that we've spent the last like five episodes <laughs> saying this is why evolution is illogical, right? And and the last twelve episodes saying you can't keep saying more time, more chance, more time, more chance, right? 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 right. We talked about from cosmology all the way through evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're what we're saying to to the church is, yes, we believe the world is planting flags mm. and claiming fact. Mm-hmm. when they don't have the evidence to plant flags and claim fact. Mm-hmm. That is to their detriment and to the detriment of their argument. Mm. Don't do the same. Yeah. Yeah. If, sure. if, if, you, if you do that and you say, well, it makes sense to me, the best thing you can say is it makes sense to me that mm. the world is 6,000 years old mm-hmm. for this reason. Yeah, sure. Not to say it is, and I'll burn you if you don't agree. Yeah, yeah. Because... I, this is fact. Yeah, like I think it's just important that people like understand what scripture is and what it's saying. Mm-hmm. I believe in the infallibility of scripture. I just don't like I just knowing what cuz and reading scripture literally, knowing your literal your literary genres, understanding how that works. Mm-hmm. Um and understanding in the authority and infallibility and inerrancy of scripture. Um that does not require you to whip out a calculator and add up Adam's age and then add up, you know, Seth's age and then add up Enosh's age. Like that's not, that's not what any of that is calling us to do. And, and if that's where you're at, like, and that's fine because like, that's what I was raised to believe. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, and then I totally rejected that for a while when I walked away from the faith and then coming back was like something I had to wrestle through again. But like, I, I, all I'm saying is that, you know, sometimes I'll be watching a documentary with Christian people and they'll talk about like, they'll be like, oh, and like they, you know, that the Egyptians, you know, we can see that they started doing irrigation in around, you know, 5,000 BC. I'm just throwing out dates here. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And someone's like, and everyone's got to like, everyone has to like disrupt watching the thing mm-hmm. because 7,000 or 5,000 BC never existed as a time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really? Like, I'm all for rolling our eyes at when we hear billions and billions of years ago. We can collectively roll our eyes at that. But, um, but like, it's just, it's frustrating because it's like, well, mm-hmm. m- yeah, maybe there was a 5,000 BC. Like, is that, d- does that mean that like we're rejecting the cross if we yeah, acknowledge it, it might be a possibility? Right. Like, come on. Right. If, if the calculation is more than 6,000, right. It changes literally nothing. Right. If we start talking millions and billions, yeah. then all of a sudden we have some issues that need to be cleaned up. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah. So my point in that is just to say, um, the church also needs to be careful that we're 
we're handling our arguments well. Yeah, totally. That we're doing it responsibly. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not blasting people for doing the same thing that we're doing. Totally. Um, because that is just poor argument. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just um, not good academic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, we did it. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Take care.